I want to tie two psalms together today, um, Psalm 92 and Psalm 19. Psalm 92 was written by David. It was a psalm to be sung on the Sabbath. Um, the psalms, as you know, are songs from the Old Testament. We don't have the tunes, but we have the words or the lyrics. Um, this works great if you sing it to a country melody. No. <laughs> Uh, there was a song suspiciously country this morning, wasn't there? <laughs> I, uh, we've done a whole gamut when I've, or through the years, and whatever they come up with, I like it. So <laughs> it's good enough for me. I will make the adjustment. <laughs> we had country and polka in my first church, or that, in gospel, and I, I will get to the scripture, but I had a friend that would come in and do services, his name was Happy Hopper, and uh, he had been a pastor for 25 years, he was an incredible musician, played kind of a western guitar, if you know what that is. And uh, he, he felt liberated. He'd come in and he would whip off his tie. In those days, we were still wearing ties and suits and all kinds of stuff. And he would tie it around his head like a bandana. And he would sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, to Willie Nelson's blue eyes crying in the rain. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> But I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, so just be thankful. <laughs> anyway, this, this was a song, and it says, It's wonderful to be grateful and sing your praises, Lord Most High. It just starts. This is, it's awesome to be able to do this. He goes, It's wonderful each morning to tell about your love and at night to announce how faithful you are. Now, he's not saying... You know, that's one or the other, but he's, he's drawing out this love and faithfulness and saying these things can be talked about all day long. And, and so, you know, the, a few weeks ago we were looking at the, the love of God and being commanded to love. And I was trying to, to share that for me to, to come to a place of not seeing it as just a command you know, God says love, and so I have to love, you know, and, you know, he made me with a selfish heart, and then he commands me to be unselfish, you know, just because of he wanted to. No, it's, it's not like that. You know, you, he wasn't just laying down laws to just trip us up or see if we could do it, but rather it's the currency of eternity. It's the way God lives, and, and you know, to get, get that in perspective, if, if you want a, a marriage to last for years and years, the currency of that marriage is love. It's got to be. You have to be caring of that individual and, and willing to sacrifice for them. It, it, for that thing to be healthy for many, many years, it's got to be controlled with love, so to speak. Well, in the same way, if you want to work in community with a group of people 
and be with them for many years, there's got to be this currency of love, so to speak. It's got to be the coinage of relationship. So you take that one step further and going, if you're going to live with people forever as an eternity, and you're, you're going to function together forever, what's the currency got to be? It's, it's got to be love. There's got to be a, a caring and a, a willingness to share life in a, in a powerful way that you can't, you can't get with selfishness. And so, you know, to look at that and say, God functions that way, and he calls us to function like him. It's not just this rule that's kind of irritating because we're, we're selfish. But it's saying there is a healthier way to do this. There is the best way, and it, it has to do with love. So that said, the second aspect of this is faithfulness. And what he's noting is that God is so consistent and faithful in everything that he does that our lives are built on that whether we recognize it or not. How many of you when you were kids or later put on a cape and tried to fly? That's all the adventurous ones there were. Well, it didn't work for me, I'll tell you that much. Even though I had this awareness that Superman did it, um, you jump off the shed roof, you drop just as fast um, as when you don't have the cape. But uh, That said, we all rely on the law of gravity every day, right? We just do. And if we... If I go out to the woods, I'm trusting that iron is going to be sharper than wood, whether I use a chainsaw, an axe, or a saw, or whatever, because there are certain rules or laws laid out that just stay the same every day. And if I, uh, if I go to start the car, I'm going to trust that the guys have figured out that that gas is going to explode inside the cylinder, and it's going to push the piston, and the cam is going to turn, you know, all of that. I'm getting beyond myself here, so I think those three were right. But uh, there's a trust in, in those rules to stay the same every day. Once we encounter what God does in faithfulness every day, every day, every day, every day, whether it be in physical life or in our relationships or whatever, once we encounter that and understand it, we just know this works. And that's part of what he's calling to in this faithfulness. What I want to do is jump to Psalm 19 because that's kind of the discussion of the psalm, and then we'll come back to the rest of 92. So your love and uh, faithfulness are, are what we're looking at, particularly the consistency of God. So the heavens keep telling the wonders of God, and the skies declare what he's done. Every day informs the following day. Each night announces to the next. He says, there is a consistency in the heavens. There is a consistency with day and night. There is an order that we look to and we assume is just appropriate. 
because it's all we've ever known. And it's tied to the faithfulness of God. He takes credit for having created and holding all things together. So if I understand that just as day and night happen all the time, if I believe that He is loving and that His faithfulness is such that it is never going to change, then every day I can wake up and know that God loves me. He didn't wake up cranky this morning and decide, well, I'll think about it. He didn't go, oh, that goofball, and just say, forget him, I'm done trying. That's not his nature. And so, you know, as the psalmist is talking about this, he's, he's addressing creation, but then he's also going to move on from there. He says, it says, they don't speak a word, there's never any sound or voice, Yet their message reaches the earth and it travels around the world. This awareness of his consistency and faithfulness, it declares the power of God. In the heavens, the tent is set up for the sun. It rises like a bridegroom. It gets ready like a hero, eager to run a race. It travels all the way across the sky. Nothing hides from its heat. Before you get too persnickety and say, well, the sun doesn't travel... We talk about sunrise and sunset every day, right? So just, I guess, me, I'm saying leave it alone. It's not worth the bother. Anyway, he's saying the consistency of the sun addresses also the consistency of our God. The law of the Lord. Now, here's the transition. The law of the Lord is perfect. It gives us new life. His teachings last forever, and they give wisdom to ordinary people. If you tap into what he has established, you can live a life that benefits from that understanding and application. If you fight against it, you're all the time going to be fighting something that is consistently going to beat you. It didn't matter how many times I jumped off that shed roof, I was still going to drop the same. And we step into those kind of things, even relationally, and, and we try to function without love, and, and somehow it bites us. And we're going, why did that come apart? Well, you broke the law, so to speak. You broke the order of things, and it didn't work. How come my car broke down? I'm a Christian. Well, you didn't put oil in it. You know, there are, there's consistency, and it doesn't matter how you declare yourself. If you're willing to learn and discover what he has, then you can walk into a fullness of health, of life, so to speak, that isn't available until you acknowledge what he's established. We've just come through a brutal political season, and uh, I, I'm actually going somewhere with this. Some of us are on the conservative side, some are on the liberal side, and we have this tension. Um, 
well, whether you talk to me a little or long, you'll know that I'm conservative in my approach, but I know it's not the cure-all. Um, the idea for me is that if you work off an established base, then you have a, a, a consistency, but if you just go by majority rule, then it can shift every time the majority changes and every time the whims vary in the culture. And so it's not a steadiness. That said, there are times when bad law needs to be changed, and I don't care who does it. So, you know, I understand both sides. But what is being declared in this psalmist is like there is a constant, there is an anchor point that if you discover it and walk in it, it will do your life well. And it doesn't matter what the winds of culture are saying, you have an opportunity of walking in a form of life that blossoms because of the consistency just like the sun rising and setting. So he's going, the Lord's instruction is right and it makes our hearts glad. His commands shine brightly and they give us light. It's like during the daytime you know where you can walk because you see. And he's saying if you understand the way God has designed things, you get to walk in the light. You have the privilege of seeing things as they are. And it moves your life into a, a beneficial pattern in place. He says, worshiping the Lord is sacred. He'll always be worshiped, and all of his decisions are correct and fair. They're worth more than the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. He says, you can't buy such treasure. And even the finest things you can eat, they don't compare with this once you get a handle on it. By your teachings, Lord, I'm warned. By obeying them, I'm greatly rewarded. None of us know our faults. And he goes on. He, said, he gives three areas of, of failure, so to speak. He says, Forgive me when I sin without knowing it. You know, sometimes I act like an idiot. Everybody else can see it but me. He says, forgive me when I do such things. When I just don't, I don't get it, so to speak. He says, don't let me do wrong on purpose. That's the other brutal thing, isn't it? Where sometimes we just walk into it even though we've, we know that it's foolish. And Lord, don't let sin have control of my life. So again, don't let, don't let it, don't let me be controlled by something that pushes me into the stuff that I know I don't even want to do. Then I'll be innocent and not guilty of some terrible fault. Let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you, Lord. Because you are my mighty rock and my protector. So again, that, that rock, it's like that stable place, that anchor point. He says, that's what you are to me. You're my protector. Back to Psalm 92. Remember, we, we talked about love and faithfulness. I enjoy praising your name to the music of harps because everything you do makes me happy. And I sing joyful songs. You do great things, Lord. Your thoughts are too deep for an ignorant fool to know or understand. 
Though the wicked sprout and spread like grass, they will be pulled up by their roots, and you will rule over all of us forever, and your hateful enemies will be scattered and then destroyed. So he's not dismissing the fact that evil exists. He's not dismissing that at times it prospers. But he's saying at the end of the day, the laws that you have established will not be broken, and your faithfulness can be trusted through all situations. It says, you've given me the strength of a wild ox. You've chosen me to be your very own. Gals, you can look at that guy next to you and go, I have the strength of a wild ox. <laughs> no, but look at the second half. And just declare, he's chosen me to be his very own. Isn't that amazing? My eyes have seen and ears have heard the doom and destruction of my terrible enemies. He says, there's a contrast. God protects me. He sees me. That's like when, when we go through something very complicated or difficult or, or grievous in the moment. There's a question... Where's God in this? And it's the, the obvious question is, does he love me? And will he be faithful to me? And the psalmist is declaring, he is always loving. He's always faithful. That's who he is. He cannot deny himself. And so, yes, even in the most complicated of situations, Josh and Randy, I've been praying for you particularly as, as Josh has been heading downstate for work during the week. And what it does is brings back to me a, a memory of a season where um, I was pastoring, but we got to a place where we had some bills that we couldn't pay. And, and I knew I could get work in Chicago, and it was seven hours away. And I would, I would drive down there on Sunday night and... Uh, come back on Friday night and then, you know, have the church on the weekend and try to catch up with family. It was a very intense time. And uh, in particular, our car wasn't working right, and this was the middle of summer, and so I'd be driving 50 miles an hour with the heater on and the windows open so that it wouldn't overheat. And, uh, you know, that, that I still remember. <laughs> but I also look back and see the faithfulness of God even through that season. Do I prefer looking in the rearview mirror with it? Absolutely. You know? And, you know, I'm praying for you that both of you are strong people. You'll walk through this. Will it be complicated? Absolutely. And will you discover weakness that you didn't know you had? Probably. But you'll also see the powerful hand of God in a way that you didn't see until that weakness was exposed. And, you know, all of us have those seasons. And for each of us, it, it, it's different than the other. But there's an opportunity, like this declaration. Do I believe that God's loving? Yep. Do I believe that He's faithful? Do I understand it in this moment? Well, not so much. But do I trust him? Yep. Do I 
consistently live my life as if he's going to bring good into it because he's promised that to me. And I go, yeah. So I'm not going to walk around moping and in despair and depression just because the exterior isn't functioning too well right now. But rather there's a knowledge that this will not beat me. I will not be overcome. Not because of my strength, but because of His. It's awesome to be able to walk in that. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's health. You know, it doesn't really matter what the situation. It's the knowledge that He's loving and faithful. He finishes, he says, good people will prosper like palm trees and they'll grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. They'll take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. We have dead trees in here, that's it. And that picture to me is a little bit strange, but I know what he's going after. He's going, trees live a long time. And they just continue to grow year after year after year. And he's saying about his life, he says, my life is like a tree. In God, it just grows and it continues to expand into areas and flourish because of his goodness. He says, they will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they are old. And they will say about you, the Lord always does right. Always does right. God is our mighty rock, our anchor point, our faithful one. It's powerful. Just a couple verses from the New Testament that carry through this idea. 1 Timothy 6.11, to me, takes on a different meaning when I read it in this context. Timothy, you belong to God, so keep away from all these evil things. Try your best to please God and be like Him. Okay? Try to be like God. Be faithful, loving, dependable, and gentle. So, if God's like that, He says, you be like that too. If He's loving and faithful, then you become like that. You want to portray Christ to others? Be loving and faithful. You want to, you know... You, you want to take on the image of Christ? You know, what does that mean? Well, part of it is being loving and faithful, like God is loving and faithful. Here's another verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here's a true message. So this may have been one of the, the early poems or songs of the church, but it, was a, it appears to be a phrase that they used, or a, a little thing that they would declare to each other, if we died with Christ, we will live with Him. If we don't give up, we will rule with Him. If we deny that we know Him, then He will deny that He knows us. If we are not faithful, He'll still be faithful. Why? Christ can't deny who He is. Yeah. We can be faithless, 
But that doesn't change our faithful God. Incredible. Revelation, a couple of final pictures. Uh, there's a letter being written to the church of Laodicea. It says, I'm the one called Amen. It's referring to Jesus. I'm the faithful and true witness and the source of God's creation. Then finally, at the end of the book, there's a, a picture of Christ as a warrior coming back to establish order on earth. The rider was called faithful and true, and he's always fair when he judges or goes to war. So I guess where, what I would like for us to, to tie into it's this idea of what God calls us to, even when he calls us to faithfulness. He's not asking us to do anything that he isn't doing, that he hasn't done, that he isn't doing now, or that he won't do in the future. He is faithful, has been faithful, is faithful, will be faithful. Has been loving, is loving, will be loving. Doesn't change. And so when we, when we look at life and we're going, ah, not sure, we trust him with kind of a default trust because we say, he doesn't fail. It's just like the sunrise, sunset, just like the seasons, just like the stars in the sky. I get up every day assuming that they're going to be in place. And just as he's faithful in that, then I can trust him and and where that takes us is, is really, uh, you know, if I discover his principles for physical health in regard to diet and exercise and rest and, you know, what have you, I can have a better chance of being healthy, right? If I discover his principles in regard to relationship and loving one another and things like that, I have a better opportunity for healthy relationship, right? Same way if I discover what's appropriate for community and, and all of social relationships are, are, are tied to that. Understanding how he's ordered things. If I, if I learn the systems, so to speak, that are about us in life and, and I, I start to apply those to life, they work. Why? Because of that steadfast consistency, that faithfulness that never changes. One of the things that I've noted within our group is that some of you are being placed in, in significant positions. You know, where you're, you're starting in companies, and they're moving you up. And I look at different ones of you and going, God has really put quite a bit of responsibility on you. Why is that? When you're developing a consistency of character and a, a work ethic that's appropriate, and you're not trying to just please yourself, well, it's natural for that to, to rise up, particularly in a culture that's failing. And where 
you know, where it's becoming unraveled and, and people think it's just a, a great benefit for them to show up to the job. You go, no, I'm going to be there consistently and I'm going to be on time. I'm going to give my best effort and I, all of this for the glory of God. And it's no wonder that you're rising. It's part of the stamp of God and His blessing because you've discovered the systems that He's put in place. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a privilege to walk in. Well, Lord, I pray for each one here that in whatever area of trust that they have to depend upon you to accept that you are faithful, I pray that that uh, become their decision to rely on your faithfulness even beyond what they see. We thank you that you are loving and faithful and can be relied upon in all things. Amen.